Then here's Davis for three in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! It's the Lake Show Pod, your spot for everything Los Angeles Lakers. Get the trail. LeBron trying to bully his way in with one hand. Caruso! Games all the way in for the slam! Here comes LBJ! With your hosts, Nick Zelaya and Cameron Izaire. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. And it all starts right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Lake Show Pod. I'm Nick Zelaya here with California native Cameron Izaire. We all know him. Cam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I mean, after these moves made by the Lakers in, in free agency, the, the fact that you win an NBA championship and come back and add better guys to your team and get rid of guys that uh, obviously, you know, guys that were partly integral to the championship team this past season, but you're adding better pieces at, at, at every position. So very happy. Absolutely. I was, that was going to be the first question I asked you was, is this roster better than last year's roster? And I think the answer a hundred times out of a hundred is yes, unless you're asking a Clipper fan like Eli Lester. It might be a no <laughs> there, but to, to Clippers fans, Montrose Harrell is bad. That's that's yeah. the that's what I've heard on uh, Twitter and YouTube lately. Montrose Harrell is a bad addition for the Lakers. He did nothing in the bubble, but at the same time, Clippers fans adored Montrose Harrell. So yeah. they just have some mixed feelings right now. Why why don't we talk about Harrell first? I mean, Sixth Man of the Year last year over Lou Williams, who usually wins Sixth Man of the Year most times. Um, yeah. What a Harold average, like 18 points, something. That's actually like that. what I'm looking up right now because he averaged 18.6 points, shot 58% from the field, seven rebounds, and a couple assists in, in 28 minutes. Yeah, so for, for every Clipper fan saying that Harold didn't make an impact, uh, that's completely false. I do think that um, they didn't really lose much because they got Serge Ibaka. So it's, I, I think it, being a Laker fan, I would have preferred Serge Ibaka except for the fact that the Lakers also got Marcus Gasol. So I think the Harrell edition is a, a great pickup uh, for the main reason that you have a guy in AD that doesn't know if he wants to play center and prefers the power forward position. And if you have a guy like Montrez Harrell, who is, you know, who can play both, uh, both parts or both and play at both ends of the court um, and a guy that can bring energy, whether it be in the starting lineup or off the bench, this is a difference maker for any team. And although, you know, Clipper fans or, or Clipper nation will say that he didn't do anything in the bubble. Well, the Clippers were also one win away from a conference finals where they were dominating the Denver Nuggets. So you can't sell anyone short on, on that Clipper team. And one guy that you can't sell short is the guy that won six man of the year. It was a, it was a big part of that bench unit with Lou Williams. And this is a huge pickup for the Lakers because I'm shocked. He's only getting paid. Uh, um, what was it? Was it, is it 10 million a year? Two, yeah. Two years for 19 million. I, I, that's just, he, a guy that averages 19 off the bench in this modern day NBA, he, he just seems like a, a automatic starter, 15 million, 17 million a year type guy, depending on, you know, how a team fits them in their schemes. Cause I think he should be a starter 
think he'll be off the bench in this Lakers unit, but it's a, it's a huge pitch at pickup. The fact that you, you get rid of, um, uh, I mean, relatively no one at that power forward position. You're not really giving up anything from last year. Obviously, Dwight Howard's gone, JaVale McGee's gone. We'll talk about that. But it's a guy that can play the power forward, can play stretch four, can play the five. And if Anthony Davis is tired, I love putting in Montrose Harrell. When you think about it, other than Anthony Davis, the Lakers really did not have a power forward. They had a whole lot of players at small forward, including Jared Dudley, who I don't want on my team anymore. You had a lot of depth at the center position. You had JaVale and Dwight Howard. One thing I really like about Montrezl Harrell is he's young. When you look at some of the signings the Lakers have had this offseason, Marcus Saul, he's in his 30s. Wesley Matthews, he's in his 30s. You need someone young. And the Lakers were thinking about a guy like Serge Ibaka, but he's, he's 31 now. He is starting to get old. Who knows what his production would be like. Montrezl Hale, he brings that energy. He can, he's going to be fresh the entire game. He's 26 years old. He can come off the bench when you need it. If it's late in the game and you need guys who aren't tired, you can throw Montrezl Harrell in there and he will be productive, whether it's the beginning of the first quarter or two minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's just going to be interesting what kind of lineup he can play in because his true position at 6'7 is center. Yeah. And it's going to be weird because I think Anthony Davis should be the center for the Lakers this season. He played extremely well when they moved him to the five. And I wouldn't say went to a smaller lineup because it's 86-10. But when they went to the smaller lineup, they seemed to do better. Mm-hmm. And Montrez Harrell, you can throw him at the four maybe. And then three LeBron or point guard. LeBron gets to choose. We, we've talked about this. <laughs> LeBron gets to choose what position he plays. <laughs> not Coach Vogel, not Rob Pelinka. LeBron gets to choose what position he plays. But I'm very interested to see how Montrez will fit. I think he'll do what he has to do, what the coach tells him to do. Because after all, you're playing behind LeBron and AD. You don't really get to choose where you want to play. But he'll be a good fit. He'll be a young energetic player that'll come into the court and make an impact right away. And Nick, I think he solidifies this bench unit. A big question mark from a season ago is you take LeBron off the floor, can't take Anthony Davis off the floor. You had Anthony Davis playing the entirety of the first quarter, and then LeBron would take his rest with about three minutes left. AD would sit, LeBron would come in uh, early second quarter. The biggest issue with this Laker team is you don't have LeBron on the floor. You don't have AD on the floor, although it might be uh just for a minimum or a minimal amount of time. Uh, the big question mark is who are you going to turn to? This team expected Kyle Kuzma to be a third option and he really didn't show that. So who do you turn to? And the fact that you can have a guy like Montrez Harrell and you're confident he gives you 19 points a game off the bench. You're confident that your offense can continue to sustain. And you mentioned Wesley Matthews. I mean, we haven't even talked about Contavious Caldwell Pope, who's been back with a three-year uh, $40 million deal. I am I know. so excited about Pope being back. Oh, my gosh. We're all very happy about that. And the reason Montrez solidifies this lineup is I don't think he'll start. I think that he'll come off the bench. I think the starting lineup is depending on uh, how they want to range Pope out. I think I think it's LeBron, uh, Pope, uh, Marcus Soul, Anthony Davis, and um, I'm blanking out on on who played uh, shooting guard. 
in the start because there were so many different starting lineups. I mean, I mean Avery shooting, Bradley, shooting, yeah, Avery Bradley's not coming back. Oh, it's Shooter. Shooter. I, oh, yeah, it, I was, was, was like going to the yeah. shooter signing was such a long time ago. It feels like it, it didn't just happen last week. So I think that's their starting five. And the fact that you have a backup shooting guard in Wesley Matthews, Markeith Morris is back. You have Montrez Harrell. You have respectable guys coming off your bench. And Montrez Harrell is not just respectable. The guys that gives you 19 points a game. A respectable guy doesn't give you that many points per game. He, there were moments uh, he'd close games out for the Clippers and he'd be the leading scorer, even with Kawhi and, and PG-13 on the floor. So I think he solidifies this lineup, I, I, this bench lineup. He's a great addition for this Lakers team because you bring him away from the Clippers and now you bring him into a system, which is almost like this backup system, mm-hmm. where he can be the star of that lineup. LeBron can take more of a rest at times. Anthony Davis, there's not as much pressure on him. Now you have to worry about Montrez Harrell, who gives you that many points per game. You have to worry about Anthony Davis stretching out. I think it allows Anthony Davis to stretch out to the three-point line even more. So if they do run AD at the four, he doesn't have to be in the paint. A lot of the times with Anthony Davis, he almost felt like he needed to – uh, he needed to dominate the paint, even with a JaVale, even with a Dwight on the floor, because he was still one of the tallest guys uh, on the court. But now with, with Montrez, it's almost like the Lakers, they don't play a small lineup, but they play a shooting and scoring lineup. So there's less focus on, um, you know, on, on the, the painted area, but you still have guys that are 6'7 and 6'10". In. Yeah, a- AD... He shot really, really well from beyond the arc last season. He was, um, he looked comfortable. I'm not sure exactly what his percentage was from three pointer last season, but he showed glimpses of being a very strong three pointer, which he always has. He can stretch the floor really well. And Montrezl Harrell's almost like a little fly in the paint. I mean, he's yeah. he's small height wise, but he he's annoying to deal with, yeah. and he can body two people, be there for offensive rebounds when they need it. And Anthony Davis can go out to uh, shoot three-pointers also. What I also like is um, when looking at scoring last season for the Lakers, there was LeBron, AD, or vice versa, and then the drop-off. It -hmm. was almost 14, 15 points to the next guy, either Pope, Kuzma, whether it's a regular season or playoff. Now you have AD, LeBron, Schroeder, Montrez. Those are two guys that both averaged 19 points. And then it's I think Pope's going to have a better season scoring-wise. I think he'll up it a little bit. But there'll be more guys that can score. And offensively, I think this team, their points per game is going to go up a lot because they have so many scores now. And it's not like if AD and LeBron come off the floor that it just – no one scores. Like they just go into drought or something. I mean, think about it. Anthony Davis, you mentioned he shot well from three, 33%, but he did take a lot of threes as a guy that's 6'10". Marcus Soule shot 39% from three. They don't even need that. The Lakers don't even need that from Marcus Soule anymore. Marcus Soule can be that, uh, that punisher in the paint, but the fact that he can still branch out uh, beyond the perimeter and take those shots, that's so scary. You have a guy at point guard in Dennis Schroeder, 
that averaged 18 points a game, obviously LeBron and AD, a guy in Caldwell Pope that shot over 40% from the three-point line. And then you also have to worry about Marcus Stoll, who's a smart facilitator, and he's up there in the seven-feet range, and he shoots 39% from three. I don't know how teams are going to handle two big men that can shoot from any spot on the court and then the great, one of the greatest players of all time, as well as a smart point guard that can shoot well. And then a, a guy in either Wesley Matthews or Contavious Caldwell-Pope that shoots 40% from behind the arc. How are you going to match up? That's why I love that Dwight Howard's gone. They ship out JaVale McGee, so there's no worry about trying to get him fit into the system. That trade uh, with Cleveland, so Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney now in the Lakers. Um, the fact that the Lakers no longer have to worry about that, and now teams have to almost play two centers to face Anthony Davis and Marcus Gasol, but then are also expecting them to push out of the paint. Usually guys that are seven feet have to worry about like a Rudy Gobert. What, a little, some hooks, some rebounds? Like they have to worry about that. Now you have to, you have to play the entire, you know, 47 feet of, of, that, of that half court. This is the, da- the most dangerous half court offense in the entire league. There's no disputing that. And I mean, the fact that Rob Plinka made these moves a year, not even a year, 60 days after winning a championship is I'm beside myself. You, you don't even, the Lakers don't even need Marcus Saul to score more than eight points a game. If they don't he, he, score more than <laughs> <laughs> he can just be there for rebounds and defense, just like grab the biggest guy on the other team, get him out of the picture defensively. Say you're, let's talk about Rudy Gobert. Say you're playing the Jazz. And you have Rudy Gobert. Throw Marcus Gasol on Rudy Gobert. He will get him out of the way. Who's guarding Anthony Davis? Right. Anthony Davis is putting up an easy 40. I, who's their power forward? I don't even know. Um, for, for who? Utah. Oh, Utah? Uh, well, it would be um, Derek Favors because he went back to the Jazz. Oh, Derek Favors. So okay. you're telling me Derek Favors will uh, stop Anthony Davis. Nick, do, do you agree with this comparison? I want to ask you this. And of course, the 2019, uh, the 2019 Raptors team, they won the championship. A lot would say, oh, if the Warriors and whatever it is. But they had the best uh, record during the regular season in the East. The Lakers are an upgraded 2019 Raptors team. Look at that starting lineup. And agree or disagree, I'm, I'm going to pretty much throw it on you. Kyle Lowry is their point guard. Guy and Dennis Schroeder, of course, averages less points per game, but is younger and if he develops over time with this Lakers core, I think he can be a great point guard that averages over 20 a game. Kawhi Leonard in that Raptors lineup. You got LeBron James. Everyone knows LBJ is better than Kawhi. At power forward center duo, you had Marcus Serge Ibaka. Now you have Marcus and Anthony Davis. And then you have a shooter, whoever the Raptors put on the floor, and the Lakers do the same. Do you agree that this Lakers team in the – basically in the starting lineup core is just an upgraded 2019 Raptors team. Yes, I think it is. And I'll take it position by position. When you're comparing point guards, Schroeder and uh, Lowry, I would say Lowry might have a slight edge in his scoring, but Schroeder's a much better playmaker than Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is a um, score first type of point guard in my eyes. Um, LeBron and Kawhi, it's, 
It's close. I don't want to feel like Max Keller and Stephen A. right now, but LeBron, <laughs> LeBron is the better player. Yeah, that, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Shooting-wise, you're comparing Danny Green for Toronto to a guy like Pope or Wesley Matthews, and I think that's a significant upgrade, especially what we saw last year with Danny Green on the Lakers. Having Pope – Pope has shown that he is confident on the court. Um, he can score the ball. He can drive. He can shoot. Um, he got much better driving the ball, and that's what I really like. I will always remember that play in the finals where he went up against the center. I think it was Bam. Went up driving for the layup, just goes right over his hand and finishes, and I'm like, this guy Pope, I want him back on the Lakers next season. So he is a definite upgrade. And then power forward, Anthony Davis, Serge Ibaka, I'm going to get started with that. And then Marcus Saul, Marcus Saul, same player. But Marcus Saul <laughs> – doesn't need to do anything because Anthony Davis is better than Serge Ibaka and Marcus all combined, basically. Yeah, very true. Very true. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned Danny Green three-point shooting percentage. He shot during that championship run with the Raptors at 2018-2019 season. He shot over 45% from three. That, that is where the Lakers – I, I, it's hard to put it in like in specific words, but if the Lakers need one thing to happen this season that is still up in the air, we don't know. We know LeBron's going to be great. We know AD is going to be great. The one question mark, how is shooting going to be with this Lakers team? Because last year there were moments you didn't know if you were going to get shooting from Pope, from Kuzma, from Avery Bradley. You didn't, you didn't know any of that. That was, and, and obviously that's with a lot of teams, but when you have a consistent shooting guard, you don't really need to worry about that. Now where the Lakers are going to struggle, are you going to get your, your main shooting production from Wesley Matthews? Will it be Contavious Caldwell Pope? Will Alex Crusoe surprise everyone? And that's why I think that the biggest weight is on Frank Vogel's shoulders. And this is going to prove if he's a really good head coach. Because Nick, you and I were talking about the fact that his decision to start Crusoe in, in game six, the NBA finals, or his decisions throughout the entire NBA playoffs were yeah. integral in that Lakers run. Yeah. Well, now it's time for Frank Vogel to figure out, is Kyle Kuzma the guy you need to start? Is Wesley Matthews the guy you need to start? Or you just paid Contavious Caldwell Pope over, um, over 13 million a year. Is he that guy? I think a lot of this season obviously will be based off shooting because LeBron is – probably going to be drive first and you have two guys as above 6'10", who can be that consistent shooting guard for you? Because every team in the NBA has been looking for it. The fact that the Hawks just paid Bogdan Bogdanovich four years, $72 million, even the Hawks said that was above market price. Every team is thirsty for a consistent shooter. And I'm interested to see where that, you know, where that production comes in the Lakers lineup. Yeah, Sacramento said they saw that contract and they were like, we're not competing with that. <laughs> Hawks, you can have Bogdan as, as much as you want. Um, yeah. where, Nick, Nick, where do you think that shooting will come from? You, you know, it's – first, let me say this before I get to that. We're not going to know. We can't predict the starter, the starting shooting guard for this season. I think Frank Vogel is the only one throughout training camp when it starts December 1st up to December 22nd, whenever the Lakers opener is, he's going to know the starter throughout practices. We're not going to know at all. We're not going to be at the practices. So it's hard to predict that. Who I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Pope, honestly. 
he's got to have that confidence um, from what he did in the finals. And going, he just, he's got his biggest contract of his career. And if he keeps it up, I think he could be a legit three-point shooter in this league. A plus 40% a game type shooter. Wow. Wow. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, I've had so much confidence in Kyle Kuzma and the player that I think he'll be. And obviously he had a down year just a year ago. Uh, It's tough because if they can somehow find a way to make Kyle Kuzma a dominant three and D guy, that means he shoots about 40% and he can actually play defense because he's been struggling with moving his feet. We can talk about that later on. I think you start with Pope and you really test that, that lineup on the back end, the, this, uh, the unit that comes off the bench. Mm-hmm. The fact that the unit that comes off the bench, Bradley's gone, Dwight's gone, JaVale's gone, all those guys are out. The fact that you can play Caruso, Matthews, Kuzma, and Harrell, and you haven't eaten or you haven't even uh, – you haven't even – taken that starting lineup and jumbled it a bit and kept a guy in there, you could have LeBron, Harrell, Kuzma, Matthews, and Caruso as your second lineup. And your four other starters get to rest. I think that is going to be key because the biggest issue with Kuzma, it just seemed like he had more confidence as a, when he started. He didn't yeah, start a lot of games. I, I agree. So if Caldwell Pope shoots okay – I think that it should be a carousel. I think it should just be a rotation. If Frank Vogel sees something different, I'm fine with, let's just throw another guy out there, see how he does. Let's do this, let's do this. Because the fact that you have all these players on your team that are such quality guys and can really all fit their way into a starting lineup, you know how the phrase, too many cooks in the kitchen? Well, no, the Lakers are cooking up a, a great buffet because too many cooks is a Just good thing. time for tomorrow. Hopefully it's a nice many, turkey, yeah, some mashed potatoes and stuff. Uh, yeah. Too many cooks is a great thing for Frank Vogel um, in, in this uh, kitchen of a Lakers lineup. I think that you shift in and out whoever, and I don't think it should matter. I feel like this, this, this entire season, the top nine, ten guys should be fluid. You shouldn't be – you know, disappointed if you start Kuzma and he gives you eight points because then you have Pope that can come right back at it in that second lineup and prove that he should be the starter. So I think throughout the entire season, it should be fluid. I think it starts with Pope because he played so well in the postseason. I think it should end with Kuzma. That's what I think. I I mean, I can argue with that. I think just go with the flow, go with the momentum, who is feeling themselves in the season, who is hot, and throw them in the starting lineup. I mean, that's going to be your best shot for Frank Vogel. Um, and we just, we just went into a lot of depth on that <laughs> that team. Um, they're not yeah, keeping well, they're not keeping Jordan Bell, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah, no, I know that. They I waved that. him. They're keeping, Alfon- they're keeping Alfonso McKenney instead. I, I wouldn't keep Jordan Bell. You have so much. That's the reason they traded Javale. You have so yeah. much depth at that at that four or five position. Yeah. One thing I want to ask. It's a lot of threat in the East. Gordon Hayward did four-year, one hundred twenty million to the to the Hornets. Um, no, I'm just I'm just saying Hornets with a lot of the moves. <laughs> I know. I'm not saying that. Oh, these are going to be contenders. One team I want to mention, and this is obviously all contingent on what happens in the next week. The Houston Rockets. 
their starting lineup, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, those two look like they're staying together amidst uh, this crazy free agency. P.J. Tucker, Christian Wood, who played really well on, uh, on that Pistons team before the season got shut down, and then he got COVID and all that happened. And then Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, a new addition to the Rockets team. I look at the West. Maybe it's the Trailblazers, you know, cracking their shell and finding their way into the, the top half of the Western Conference. Agree with me on this or don't. It's up to you. You, you pick. The, 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 the competition for, uh, for the Lakers. Clippers, Rockets, Denver, and the Trailblazers, yes or no? Can you add any more teams there? I'm going to add one more team. Oh, go ahead. Utah. Utah, yeah. I think Utah. Utah's always overlooked, you're right. They choked last year. They they choked. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell is only going to get better on this team. And I know who knows what the locker room issues are with him and Rudy Gobert because of touchy-touch the microphones. <laughs> um, but – I think they're a legit team in this Western Conference, and they really didn't. They really didn't make any moves in free agency. Um, obviously, they drafted a stud in Elijah Hughes. Um, they still have Mike Conley. He's still on the team. Um, yeah, I mean, same roster as last year, but yeah. when they finished last, they were fifth or sixth seed. Six. I think they were sixth. I'm I think they were sixth. Didn't they play? They played. Um, I don't know. They they were in the playoffs and they were a good team. Yeah, that's all. Um, but no, I think the Jazz are a legit threat in the Western Conference as well. I think they could finish in the top half of the conference. Um, but no, I mean you said it already. Nuggets, Clippers. Can I make a bold prediction? Go ahead. Clippers finish in the bottom half of the playoffs. Wow. For the Western Conference. Wow. I think they got worse. Yes, they added, what, Luke Kennard and Serge Ibaka. That, that doesn't make a difference to me. I, I, I and Luke Kennard and Serge Ibaka, I would not be throwing a party. Well, yeah, because you, you got rid of you, um, Landry Shamit and Montrez Harrell. Yeah, I mean, if the Clippers, I mean, maybe they throw a banner when they get Luke Kennard. They can't have any other banners with championships on them. What the Clipper, or what I forgot to mention, and one guy I forgot to mention, Markeith Morris is back on the Lakers. How about that? I know. I know. I'm excited about that. He shot – when he shoots threes, I, I think they're going in before they go in. And if they don't go in, if they don't go in, I tell them to shoot next time. I saw you put your hand up. You were going to say something? Yeah. Um, I was just taking a look at the uh, NBA playoff bracket. Um, you named Houston, Portland, Clippers, Nuggets. That's what you named, right? Yes. I named uh, Utah the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, you for, two teams, the Jazz and the Mavericks, two teams that haven't had the best success in the past couple of years are overlooked. That's a really good team. Max Kellerman said on first take earlier today that the closest duo to AD and LeBron right now is Chris Stapps and Luka, which, I, yeah. It's true. It's if, true. I mean, Porz- Porzingis isn't starting the season. He's hurt. I don't think he's – He's not supposed to start day one. I, th- yeah. I don't think he'll be back yet. But, I mean, Luka averaged, what, triple-double, 30-plus points? <laughs> and did it with MVP. They, almost, they should have beat the Clippers. 
yeah, they honestly shouldn't beat the Clippers. Yeah. But now I, one thing that we teased in the last episode that I want to finish this one off with is this new playoff format um, where it's now a play in tournament. So it gives the ninth and the 10th seed some hope rather than looking on the outside in. So the seventh will play the 10th, the eighth will play the ninth. And what will need to happen is the ninth and 10th teams respectively need to beat whoever they play in the seventh, eighth seed twice while the seventh and eighth seed need to beat whoever they play respectively only once. It's what we saw with, uh, with Portland and, and Memphis in the bubble. To close things out, do you like this format and why? You know what? I do like it. I think it made it a lot more competitive because we saw how seeds seven through like 11 in the Western Conference were within a game. And I think it just, it brings more excitement. Um, the NBA is just trying to find ways to gain the type of audience they're used to. Um, I know the bubble took a big, big hit. Yeah. People were not watching it. Um, no, I think it's gonna make it interesting, especially with how competitive the conference is. And now the Eastern Conference, I think a team like the Hawks can make some noise. They've added some players, maybe even depending on how LaMelo plays, um, which I'm high, you know I'm high on LaMelo Ball. Um, the Hornets could make some, I mean, Gordon Hayward, yeah, Devonte Gra- Graham's gonna have a good season for Charlotte. Yeah. I, he he went from four points to eighteen points his sophomore season. Um, Brooklyn's obviously back. Uh, I'm not even gonna mention Detroit. Um, <laughs> Chicago, no. Washington, they have met. The Western Conference is still more competitive than the East, but I think overall, when it comes to this one through ten almost playoff format, it's gonna make it a lot more fun. And uh, hopefully we're not talking about it when playoff time comes and the Lakers are near the top of the playoffs, not worried about a a play in bracket. I love this play in tournament. I think teams like the Phoenix Suns can take Mm. advantage. They should have been in the playoffs this past season. Memphis. Um, After going 8-0 in the bubble. I think it's great. It's more compelling basketball. It's more playoff-like basketball. And it's more down-to-the-wire basketball. And that's all we want. Now, Laker fans, can I, can I, so this is double elimination, correct? That That's what it's called? Is it's this double, double elimination, yes. It's double, okay. I, you, you seem to know your stuff about this uh, playoff format, Mr. Wojnowski. So um, <laughs> I just wanted some clarification about that. Yeah. So what needs to happen, I'll explain it one more time. The ninth and the 10th seed need to beat whoever they play in seven and eight. So seven plays 10, eight plays nine. They need to beat them twice. Well, the seven and eight seed only need to beat that ninth and tenth seed once. Okay. So it obviously gives the it gives the better record teams uh, an advantage, but it still gives those ninth and tenth seed teams the opportunity. So we've talked about so much today in episode six. We broke we've broken down you know free agency and and how the Lakers have gotten better. And if you're a Laker fan, you should be excited. You have a starting lineup, a possible starting lineup of Schroeder, Pope, LeBron, AD, and Gasol. And then off the bench, you have a you have almost another starting lineup, a, a team that could could impress uh, off the bench, even if your starters need rest, in guys like Caruso, Matthews, Kuzma, Markeith, and, and Montrez Harrell. It's a lot to be excited for. Uh, I know training camp is coming up in, in about a week, and uh, preseason starts in about two and a half weeks, and the season is close to a month away. Nick, I know you're excited. I'm very excited for oh all of that. Uh, we hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. We're recording this a, a, a day before Turkey Day. So 
We hope everyone enjoys their time and has a happy Thanksgiving. And we cannot wait for the season starts on December 22nd. And I know that me and Nick are going to sweat out this month and, and we can't wait. It's a little under a month right now and soon we'll get basketball started. Uh, this has been episode six of the Lake Show Pod with Nick. I'm Cam and we'll see you next time.